Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Catholic Stuff Podcast. You're <laughs> <laughs> supposed to do something crazy in the beginning. <laughs> that was too practical. <laughs> so we, uh, <laughs> we spent the break. Why? Why? Okay, we're on. We, we, That's Father Nathan. Father Michael. We, we spent the break watching videos of oh actors like performing Yelp reviews. Yelp reviews. And I found it incredibly cathartic. And I have a theory on that. Do you, do you find it cathartic as well? <laughs> yeah. Did you ever work service industry? Oh, yeah. Okay, me too. I was so bad. Okay. I was really bad. And and we we weren't in a really good, we weren't in a really good um, like restaurant environment. It was right. the it was the clubhouse. It was the clubhouse at um uh at the golf course. Okay, so it was kind of B level. Yeah, because like I I would find I I hang out in restaurants enough now that I can and I know like a jelly. The manager, man, she will complain about Yelp reviews because they get these bad Yelp reviews, and it's always they're always ridiculous Yelp reviews, like one oh, yeah. star, and it's just for something stupid, like like the they tried to pet my dog that's a service dog, and it doesn't even have a vest on, but they should have known it's a service dog if it's in the restaurant. Anyway, it's it's a it's just a mess. The, these one star reviews. Can we do a video of us reading a jelly Yelp review? <laughs> we should do that, and uh, actually, dramatized. I think, I think they would think that was hilarious. <clears throat> so we'll consider that. Um, but like, I find it like. If the people, because what I see is that the, they they over dramatize one star Yelp reviews on the videos we were just watching. They over dramatize them. So there's something about like when you over make them over dramatic. When an actor makes it over dramatic, they're in a sense mocking the people that do oh, the yeah. one star reviews. Oh yeah. So I would love, I would love as a priest and a pastor, like if my whiniest parishioner. No, no offense to those who are listening. If my whiniest parishioner were like, if someone else acted out there whininess and this sounds horrible i probably shouldn't be saying this on on the air but like there's something about like it's cathartic like the movie calvary the movie calvary that was cathartic i think that's why shep you liked it so much there's something about watching another priest be hated as much as that priest was in the movie calvary he was hated so much that there was something cathartic about me watching it and saying i feel that way sometimes but when you see it happen not not that that i'm not it's like like schrodinger or something like that but it's not like i want it to happen to somebody else it's like but there's something about seeing that lived out in the life of another person that is like cathartic to me it's like it's good to know that it happens generally it's not just people mm-hmm. being mad at me and hating me did, so did did you just use the word schadenfreude <laughs> i did wow okay that's really <laughs> impressive <laughs> i I, I speak German. It's great. I don't speak German. I I, I, just, <laughs> I didn't did not expect that. Um, so so like like but there's something about like if I was a manager, I would love oh, to yeah. watch one star reviews getting mocked, and I would love to see in a probably sinful way, whiny people that whine about the smallest things and the pettiest things in church kind of get mocked the same way. So all right, Molly, edit that whole thing out. We'll just. <laughs> We'll start really? over. No, I just people are gonna get mad now. They're gonna they're gonna start whining about you said on the podcast that we're whiny. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> All right.
Okay, so Molly's not gonna edit that. Molly's out. not. Don't edit it out, Molly. <coughs> I just needed to say that so that people, when they do complain, that I can is. Say, I mean, I can say I wanted it edited out. I just even said it on the podcast I wanted it edited out. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I had I had the worst letter written to me um, when I was at Cabrini. Oh, and there would be something really cathartic about somebody reading that letter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because when when they wrote it to me. I mean, it was like, it, it was really painful mm. and it wasn't like constructive criticism. It wasn't like, it was like, you are horrible and you will fail wow. at everything because you're not a real priest. And, and they just kind of went on and then I showed it to father John and he goes, I want to find this person's house right now and go punch him in the face. <laughs> and I was like, I actually want you to go and do that. And I'll watch. It is good to have friends. I, I think I've shown on the podcast before when my mom sent out my invites to my ordination. <laughs> a secular humanist friend of hers that obviously does not listen to the podcast. A secular humanist friend of hers sent it back saying, "Your son is what is wrong with this world," hmm. and like wrote this whole thing, put in this like this um, this pamphlet about secular humanism and and the churches and the religion is ruining Beautiful. everything. And it came to my mom, and she just. Like she called me at school because I was still in seminary and she said, I got a really angry letter. I'm not going to read it to you because I know you're in finals when you get home. So I read it and I thought it was hilarious. Like I wanted to just post on my wall and just like laugh at it and mock it. And my mom was like, this really hurt me. Like it really hurt me that somebody would say that about you. It really hurt me that somebody would, would say that you are what's wrong with the world and that they needed to change. I was like, mom, they're just they're ignorant and they're just, they don't understand truth. And so like, but my mom just, I think she was really offended not only by his letter, but by the way I didn't take it seriously. And then one of my best friends from college came over for my ordination. My mom read it to him and he got pissed like father John did. Yeah. And he just said, he was like, who is this? Like, exactly. I want to write them a letter. I want to be angry. They have, they have no right to do that. And my mom like loved that guy from that moment forward. Yeah, She's see? like, he gets me and he get, he gets the, this is the proper response to a letter like this. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. I, I, I mean, I, since it was directed at me, I think I could take it a little better than my mom who yeah, right. loves me more than I love myself. But yeah. So I, I get the whole thing, but it is, it is nice. I think like somebody like father John, like, you know what? That's horrible. And they deserve a punch in the face. Actually. Um, you could probably do that with some of our one-star reviews on iTunes. There we go. There and we go. You could read. You could dramatize them. We do have, but I don't reviews. want. I don't want people. <laughs> I mean, because people have their legitimate, you know, comments. Like yeah. the one guy that wrote, or girl that wrote, that we are the Beavis and Butthead of Catholic <laughs> podcasts. To this day, I'm like, actually, I am kind of like Beavis. I am kind what? of. Does that make me? I do. I haven't watched it in so long. I don't know whether to be offended or not. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the most recent one star we got just said there's a podcast called Stuff You Should Know. They copied it. I'm like, we asked them if we could use the name. This is not something to get offended right. about to give us one and star review. Stuff You Should Know is still like the number 10 yeah. or number 7 podcast. In all of podcasts, so they're not worried about us at all. You know what? There, I don't think it's Wikipedia, but there's some sort of thing that that says like, if you Google stuff, you should know. It does say on there on some on some you know dictionary type website. It does say the um, and and the origin of the idea that now Catholic stuff you should know took over. It, it was it was actually I, I felt proud. 
It was like some sort of like, hey, this is what stuff you should know is, and they 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 influenced other podcasts like yeah, Catholic right. stuff you should know. <laughs> All right, um, you so, funny. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna try something new. So do you know? Yeah, I'm kind of intrigued. Do you, do you know what I we did? We I did something new last podcast. We did with the split podcast, and now you're doing something. But new. this is yeah. This is this is something that I don't think we've done before, and I and it could go horribly, horribly wrong or really, really good. So I I always loved the podcasts when John and I did the uh, Father John and I did the uh, the challenge podcast. It kind of went off in a direction I didn't have planned, and I thought it was really, really good. And I love the podcast where, like, it's not just me talking. It's not me doing a monologue and you giving the color commentary. You know, like, I, I just tend to do that, so I need to stop. So What's the challenge podcast? The challenge was John, <coughs> Father John and I did it. It started out being about how the the Christians should embrace challenge. Like, so, we should say— That when I went to sleep? Yes, exactly. <laughs> when you gave part of the introduction, then left and went to bed. So, like, like Christians should embrace this, and then it got actually went into the into the world of chastity and purity, which I thought was really good. Um, for male, we were challenged by good-looking women, and we should like being challenged by good-looking women. Um, so, um, so this one though, you know, Trevor Lontane, spirituality year guy, uh, now seminarian for the Archdiocese of Denver. Yes. Anyway, I've I've known him for a while when he was oh, up. Oh, the at guy from uh, Wyoming Catholic. Wyoming Catholic. Now yeah. he's a seminarian, exactly. He gave me a book. Denver. Okay. He's a good cat. Yeah, he is a good cat. Um, so he we went out to breakfast a while ago, and he recommended, um, we do a podcast on. I thought this was intriguing at first. He just said, "I'd love to hear a podcast on Psalm one thirty nine." And he just said, "Have you ever have you ever taken a piece of the scriptures or like a psalm uh-huh. and just did a podcast on that psalm?" So. I did. I took the slothful way out. I printed out Psalm 139, the RSV version for you and I. I read through it once, and I want to see what what will happen if you and I went through this psalm. And and is this out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord? Lord, hear my uh, voice. No, no. Uh, this is Psalm 139. It's what's the opening line? O Lord, you have searched me and you know, know me. me. You know when I sit and when I stand. Yeah, there you go. See, you, you, you know this better than I do. Desires are known to you. Yep, yep, yep. Before a word is on my lips, you, O Lord, know it through and through. Before yeah, a word yeah. is ever on my tongue, you know it, O Lord, through and through. Something yeah, like that. yep, that close, yeah. Yeah. So, O Lord, you have searched me, you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts my my you discern my thoughts from far away you search at my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways so anyway um i do you think it would be boring if we just read the whole thing first i think it's helpful okay so i'll just read the whole thing first and then uh, and then all right I, I'm, I'm just going to listen okay you listen and go to i'll wake you up when i'm done you, oh i'm you, listening I, i'm okay, like okay. receiving <laughs> amen psalm 139 oh lord you have searched me and know me you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. 
The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God, and that the bloodthirsty would depart from me, those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against your, you for evil. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. There you go. It's beautiful. I mean, it's scripture. Yeah. I mean, the 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 first thing I I see is of course kind of the obvious the intimacy, the timeless intimacy of Christ. You know, the even the the very artistic um you know, you knit me in my mother's womb. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's a even from the from the moment that we came into being, there's a an intimacy and of even like an investment one one of the one of the things I found as beautiful when I was in seminary was that the number seven means covenant, mm-hmm. you know, in Hebrew. So there's there's something about within the creation of the world in seven days, there was a covenant. In other words, God didn't just create us to say, "Let me try this." Like He created us and bound us to Himself from the very beginning, knowing that this world could be fallen, knowing that we could sin. He still bound us to himself and actually allowed us, his creatures, who could screw up, who could mess up. He allowed us to influence his very life. I mean, that's insane. That, that God is all-powerful and all-good, could create something and then say, I'm going to allow this thing I created that I did not need, I'm going to allow this to actually affect my very life. Mm. And, it pri- and, of course, being outside of space and time, he knew it would. He knew we would. He knew we'd have to send his son and redeem us, but he did, he bound us to himself anyway. Yeah, I'm fearfully, <clears throat> fearfully and wonderfully made. That's funny, because the other day I quoted that, thinking that it was part of Psalm 8, mm. um, and I, I read Psalm 8, and I was like, it's not in there. Okay. I don't know where it was. <laughs> well, so. th- there are some verses that are multiple psalms. Actually, Psalm 8 was the psalm that I got to when my grandfather died. So I gave him all the sacraments. He was unconscious, 94 years old, unconscious. Um, he just had the situation I talk about often where he was an incredible, he was a woman's man and he was a playboy. You know, unfortunately he did go to confession at the end of his life when he was unconscious, his cute little 22 year old nurse walked into the room, sat down on his bed. He's 94, started rubbing his chest and said, you can't die earnest. You said you'd marry me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, my grandpa asked every nurse in here to marry him. I'm sure right before he went unconscious, which is totally like him. Um, but, but so I, I gave him, I gave him the sacrament of the sick. I gave him yeah. the apostolic part, I gave him all these things. And then I started at Psalm one and I got to halfway through Psalm eight when he passed. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Cause it is a Byzantine tradition just to do the Psalms at, exactly. the, at the side of someone who's bedside of someone who's dying. And so I was like, well, I'll just do it. I'm the only one in here. My mom had gone to bed because the nurses said he should probably survive the night, but I was like, I'm not leaving. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even taking the chance 
of the the immense benefit of being at someone, especially my grandfather's bedside yeah. when he dies. And I think my mom knew that and knew that I wanted to be there and knew that I, that kind of the immensity of being there alone. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was incredible. And he just, he breathed his last. And I heard that as I was praying Psalm 8 and yeah, it was beautiful. You didn't get Psalm 139. I did not, not even close. <laughs> and now at my deacon, my deacon, Deacon Andrew Bodner, he, he passed and I, I stayed there the whole night and prayed all 150 Psalms at his bedside. And then I went, I went home and he died the next morning. So I, I did actually get to, in one of the first years of my ministry here, pray all 150 Psalms, chanting them. I chanted them with, with his wife coming in out of the room the whole night, mm. chanted all 150 Psalms at the bedside. It was really incredible to do all 150 like in a row like that and to do them in such an intense moment of like, it wasn't just personal prayer. I wasn't just like in the chapel myself. It was like, this man is dying. And, and here I get the benefit of whether he can hear me and he's just, he, he went out hearing all 150 Psalms or whether yeah. he can't hear me and there's still something just so immense of, of the ancient, ancient prayer of the church being chanted yeah. at your bedside. My gosh, if I'm dying, you know, come in I and know. do that. <clears throat> Actually, I made a deal with Lejoie, Father Lejoie, that uh, one, both of us would do the Psalms at the other one's bedside. So yeah. if you want in on that deal, I do. Absolutely. It's 20 bucks. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll come up with that. Or three box tops. I can come up with that. Yeah. Yeah, so the, yeah. the, the obviously, right. you know, the, the the Psalms are are in, an emotional roller coaster, which is why people like it so much. Yeah. Why is the prayer of the church? I mean, there's there's a proximity and intimacy, like you were saying, the for the foreknowledge of our mm-hmm. of our life in in the plan of God, and and we're we're uh, we participate in something much greater than ourselves, and no matter where we go, even if it's as far away from God as we could possibly go, like Sheol. Even if I go down to Sheol, you are there. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, it's God is always present and, and waiting. And, you know, there's that line from, I don't know, I think it's uh, Brideshead Revisited or whatever, but mm-hmm. from like a twitch on a thread, you know, like, I mean, then all of a sudden, like all of a sudden you're coming back. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you can you can unravel as far as possible. But with one hmm. swift motion, God can start to begin to Come bring you back. back. I like that. That's that's hope in hope in the moments of despair. Do you know why? Do you know why he picked this psalm? I have no idea. Oh. I'm guessing he just likes it. It's probably his favorite psalm. I'll have to ask him. I have no idea. I just ran into him today because he's spirituality or so he can't have any media, and so I I was like I don't have a topic for tonight and. Then I walked in as um, Shadow, and then I was like, "Hey, do you know what Trevor Lantana nice. is?" And, and he's like, "Yeah, he's in there eating." So I stepped in there, and I was, I was like, "Dude, I can't get hold of you anyway, but here you are in person." So uh, what psalm was that? He said one thirty nine. Wait, so where did you see him? At, at the at the refectory at the seminary. Oh, you stopped in. Yeah, I was there trying to get this whole canon law thing figured out. I was oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I won't go into the details about that, but anyway. I, I, so this yeah psalm uh, verse seven. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I'm in bed in shale, you are there. There's something about, because actually that that also confused me. The, the thing that really seemed out of place, and there's a lot of in many psalms where like it seems to change themes. Yeah. And this one seemed to change themes, um, and that was, um, so like verse 19, oh that you would kill the wicked, oh God, and that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Seems to be a change of theme, but I, I I'm starting to come together in my mind. Because if you have verse 7 here, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? It's almost like Psalm 139 is a is like a timeline of one's life. So you start out, you are, you are wonderfully made, you're created out of nothing. God loves you in, as he's creating you, he's, he's 
covenanting himself to you. He's investing in you. That There's a certain intimacy from the very beginning, even before we're aware of it. And then at some point, there's this weird human sin that comes from ancestral sin, this weird desire to to separate ourselves from him, to hide. I mean, that's what Adam and Eve did, of course, but th- that's mm. their sin, their, their hiding is built into us. So at some point, usually in our youth, which is this is verse 7, usually in our youth, there's a certain desire to get away. I mean, that's what sin is. I mean, in all honesty, what are we doing when we're sinning? We're pretending like there is no God. We, do, we certainly don't want, in the midst of that sin, whatever it is, we don't want to be reminded of an all-loving God who wants us to share heaven with him for all eternity. And and I think this is a reflection upon that. There's no way I can get away from you. It doesn't matter, like the last podcast we did, how drunk we get. It doesn't matter who I'm with. I, like th- There is nowhere and no situation, thank God, where I can escape from God. But in the moment, I want nothing else other than to be away from him. Yeah. Well, I think it's helpful, too. I mean, like in our Psalms class in seminary, they said, you know, it's important to read through, like, different lenses mm. to get different... Um, different vantage points and everything and three of them that i remember at least were one of them was to read it from the perspective of christ like he's actually praying he's the perfect orator Mm. of the psalms he can pray them perfectly with the exact emotion and the right amount of um closeness and distance and everything yeah uh another one would be israel like the people of israel and and how they can uh, as the people of the Psalms that it formed their life um, the different experiences that they had as a people of God to be you know like close to him and then far and then you know separated and then brought back in and then the last one is just myself like Mm -hmm. in my own perspective like where am I in terms of like this timeline that you're mentioning yeah Um, but at least for me like the the one that that it's kind of hard hard line but it's like uh this is the word of god so i mean we should take it seriously Mm -hmm. um do i not hate those who hate you O lord and do i not loathe those who rise up against you i hate them with perfect hatred i count them my enemies Um, i mean jesus can pray that with sincerity Hmm. and he knows the enemies of god yeah and sometimes they're not exactly the people that you would expect um and sometimes they're even closer than like just this far off group that it's like, these are the wicked ones or whatever. Um, and then how does he, how does he actually reconcile, you know, enemies to God while at the same time saying, no, I hate, I hate those who hate you. Right. And I hate, I mean, the ultimate enemy of our human nature is the evil one. And, you know, in some way Jesus says, no, I, you will not have, you will not, you know, take these ones that I love down to Sheol, and and uh, so, anyways, I I think it I think that's just advice, helpful yeah. advice. There is something in our modern culture that I've seen, and it's in that movie. Did you ever see Moana, the the one of the newest Disney movies? No. Okay, so in Moana, um, I heard I, it's pretty good. I can't say when I saw it because people listening might get mad at the context, but. <laughs> Sister Natalia. Um, anyway, the uh, I, I I went and saw it, and there there's it, it's 
the one I mean I, I actually liked it and it had one redeeming part but there there's there's something in our secular society I've seen it with songs and with movies where there is just a rejection that evil even exists like every every evil character is redeemed in sitcoms in movies and music that there's no there's no awareness of a real enemy like someone who 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 we will never be redeemed with I mean that of course hmm. You know, this is a rejection of real evil, of like the devil. Like, like we, we, every human being, even if we interpret this psalm, every every human enemy of God, we we hate them. If you want to use that word, as the psalm does, we hate them with with, with a, again, it's, it's it's hate hate the sin, not the sinner type thing. You know, you you we have to identify what they're doing wrong in order to hope and pray and labor work that they return to the truth. And they return to goodness, and they return to beauty, and they return to Christ. This is the big debate. Hugh Hefner died what last night? Today? Don't get me started. Sometimes, okay. <laughs> I kind of want to get you started, actually. Yeah. So, in other words, there's what this, about him? So, how do you how do you pray for someone's soul right. and desire to be in heaven with them yeah. while saying, right. "Do not speak well of what this man did. He's destroyed exactly. many people by yep. his actions. Yep. Absolutely. But yet, I certainly." At, at the most deep spiritual part of myself, want to be in heaven with him. I want him to be in heaven, yeah. but I cannot let that desire miss, be misinterpreted or, or say, I, I have to condemn what he did. Yeah, that's so funny that you mentioned that because that was actually one of my ideas for a podcast mm-hmm. for today was uh, how do we, like, why do we celebrate this person's life why do we celebrate like what they've done when they've caused the downfall of so many people? Yeah. Like, and, and most of the society doesn't see it, but right. it's like, do we celebrate the inventor of the atom bomb or the person that dropped the atom bomb yeah. or the, the person who like made the decision, made the order. Yeah. yeah. Like, but with him, it was like, no, he was so like, so cool and avant garde. And yeah. you know, he, he defended like civil rights and everything and i'm like um i mean cnn had this whole write-up on him i don't even know why i go to cnn mm. i hate all freaking news i can't stand it i can't stand any of it i i don't like even looking at any news source because it just drives me crazy um but it had this like montage of like five articles on you know hugh hefner's life and he's a university of illinois grad okay Maybe he didn't even graduate, but every single uh, every single magazine, every single episode uh, edition or whatever of Playboy mm-hmm. was in the University of Illinois Library. Oh wow! So you could go and check out any one of them. Wow. I'm like, you people are garbage. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Um. Yes, I thought about preaching about this today, and I might even preach about it tomorrow. Um. And my th- the 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 point I came to because I did feel an impulse to pray for him. Hmm. I saw that he died, and I was like, "That man needs prayer." Yeah. And instead, I said, "I'm going to pray for all of the people yeah. that were there disaffected." You there you go. By his decision to proliferate the spread of pornographic images, because long before there was internet, he he. Uh, single-handedly caused possibly the downfall of male after male after male. And he didn't spill blood. 
he didn't like you know kill them like in that regard but there was some kind of um like he he was slowly killing them yeah. and slowly killing their souls and my thought was what if i prayed for all of the people that were disaffected by him and that one by one those persons could be freed from their sin and that they would actually say to Hugh Hefner i do not hold the sin against you Amen. And I, I welcome wow. you. I welcome you into heaven because now I realize what what a horrible idea I lived with for so long, and through Christ have been purified of that. Yeah, and that's what I want for you. That's beautiful. That's what I want. That's what I want for Hugh Hefner. Yeah, I like that. Granted, like there are there are many many wicked people, and I I myself could be one of them, uh, but for the grace of God, uh, and. Um, in terms of Dante's perception of like lust, uh, he would place lust at the higher end of the of the purgatorio, yeah, and at the higher end of the inferno. Mm. Uh, so you're in hell, but you're not in the lowest pit of hell. Right. But we don't want to be in hell, and an unrepentant heart, um, is uh, you know, is, is, leads you to the possibility of hell. And I would, I would want to meet Hugh Hefner someday yeah. uh, in heaven and be able to say to him, uh, in the blood of Jesus, I've been redeemed. Yeah. I'm grateful. And you can tell me how Jesus redeemed you. Hmm. Um, but I, I, I just immediately, I just resisted the idea of, I have to pray for this guy because he's like a media mogul and he's really yeah. important. It's like, what about Joe Thompson? Yeah who's been like addicted to porn for 50 years because yeah. his uncle Bill had a magazine underneath his waterbed and yeah. it got him, you know, yeah. like addicted. And I'm like, I mean, how horrible would you feel if that was the, and yet going back to Psalm 139, okay. like God knows every part of us. Yeah. He knows the evil that we're capable of and the evil that we've done as well as the good that is still in there. And the image of his son that's still still possible. So, that, that's I think that that's his nail on the head is the is the the unrepentant sinner. I think that's what what Hugh Hefner and and, uh, and many others, of course, did. They desensitized and normalized the objectification of women in a way that changed the human mind about it being wrong. It was so normalized with the Playboy clubs and like. Every man looks at, at, at Playboy, right? I mean, I read it for the articles. All these, all these crazy things that they normalize the objectification of women, and they, it became not only normalized but encouraged, and now it's seen as as a good thing. And in a sense, what that does is it, it allows, through the devil's work, it allows people to be unrepentant. I, I hear it in confession. People say, "Father, I'm a single man, therefore, I struggle with pornography and masturbation." It's yeah. like it, they just assume that if, you, if you're a single man, as if that didn't affect married people and as if that was just a normal thing you do. Like, I'm glad they're bringing up a confession. I'm glad they identify that. But there's even the way that said in my interpretation, it, they're, they're, what they're saying is, is, is that you just expect this, right? If you're single, therefore you're doing this. You know, it's like, no, like wh why have we, 
why have we assumed that that's normal? Yeah. And, and and not only normal, but something that is even, I mean, the, the secular world calls it healthy, you know, but even, I think, even if we Christians say it's not healthy, but we still say it's normal. And and, and the, the kind of, you have to at the beginning of this desensitization, desensitization to the fact that that is extremely harmful. Yeah. And and so I think that's why I, I I actually can you say that one more time like explain that again what you mean by if if I can pray for the souls that have been affected by what he did that they once they are healed may forgive yeah. him their blood is no longer crying out in a sense he's forgiven by he's he's forgiven through their forgiveness they they forgive him because they no longer hold it against him because they've been redeemed by Christ therefore when they've been redeemed by Christ and healed and freed from this addiction in right. heaven or wherever then they stop blaming him with a true blame with a proper blame and then all of a sudden he is he is closer to forgive or redemption because of them because of their forgiveness of him yeah that's what i would want yeah i mean like and frankly like there i hope that there outnumbers more people like i hope the number of people that i've helped outnumbers the people that i've hurt and that the people that i've helped could actually say to the people that i've hurt um not just come on he's a pretty good guy or whatever right. but like uh could it could i pray for you could I pray for could I pray for you and what you need? Yeah. You know, and intercede for you in, in the way in which you need it. And um you know, again, I mean I don't want to make I don't want to make Hugh Hefner into a into a punching bag, but uh I also don't want to excuse grave sin. Right. Um and I think that I mean, Hollywood has made him like an iconic image of the the playmate. Mm-hmm. Like what did he do? Like he just he just played around all the time, yeah. um, and that to me is uh, it's repulsive. As much as as much as there was a, probably a time in my life where I was like, "That's the dream, that's the dream." Yeah. Why would I? Why would I dream of anything yeah. else? And there was a point in probably other people's lives where you had like different kind of Don Juan figures and everything else, but the Don Juans die yeah, and then they face the Lord and God hopefully like is able to show them, uh, here was the good that I think you were striving for. And here's what your evil caused. Yeah. I mean, that's where I'm kind of like as Catholics, why in the heck would you not believe in purgatory? It's not right. just like, thank God that there's a, there's a step ladder to heaven it's like I would not be ready for heaven. You know, you really think like Teresa of Avila is going to be like rubbing shoulders with Hugh Hefner right. the day after he dies? And but but I, I do think that's one thing that, that, that people who deny purgatory don't understand is they mean they think that somehow we're going to die and and if we've led a intentionally good life, even if we even if we're not that good, but we've intended to goodness, yeah. we've accepted Jesus Christ in an intellectual way, that somehow the moment we get to heaven, we're just going to be healed, like like forcefully healed, like a puppet master is going to come down and say, "You're no longer yourself. You're no longer the person you formed yourself to be. Right. You are now completely healed." Now, why doesn't Jesus do that on earth? If he can do that in heaven, why doesn't he do that on earth? Yeah. Like we Catholics and Orthodox believe like you 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 actually need to be fixed. You need to be healed. You need to grow. And that's what purgatory is. Purged, it's in a sense yeah. purged of the things that are keeping us from thinking that way. Exactly. Um, so th- there's 
I think if we can interpret it that way, because of course you have to be careful here. Um, verse 22, I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies. Like what is a, what is a perfect hatred? And I know I'm, we're, we're pastors. So we're kind of speaking from a, a, the point of view of a pastor rather than an academic here, but, but a perfect hatred I think is, is a hatred that, that understands what evil is, detests that evil, understands how harmful that evil can be for the life and afterlife of the person that's suffering it, and then, of course, has a has faith, hope, and love, loves that person, has hope in them, and has faith that they will be healed. And then the next part of that verse, I count them as my enemies. Like, this is what St. Paul is saying. An enemy is someone who I have, in a sense, separated myself from, remained holy. That's what holy means, other, separate, I've made myself holy where they are my enemies, but of course the desire there and the hope, faith, and love is to that they will rejoin the community. But until then, we're not messing around with this. We're going to call sin, sin. We're going to call evil, evil. And we're going to hate the perfect hatreds, identify it for what it is with always the theological hope that there is a the process of theosis, the union that comes, the union with God and with each other that comes from a life of holiness and sanctity. Yeah. I mean, even that line, like, my frame held no secret from you. Like, mm. you know, I we had one the other day where, like, uh, they did a reading from Scripture for this person's life. Uh, the reading that they chose was like, do you not realize, brothers and sisters, that all of us will stand before the judgment seat of God? Mm. And I was like, given the way this guy lived his life, did you really mean to put that in there? Yeah. Like, cause that's not like very comforting. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the point that the point that I was drawing was like, if this person didn't live for Christ, that's a terrifying judgment. Right. And the, the, the need to fall completely at the mercy of God, which is at every moment of our life, like we will hold no secret from him right. and we will be, we will be fully known. Um, and yet like, uh, in Christ, like we have been imprinted with, you know, his character through baptism and that calls out to be reconciled. It calls out to be, uh, you know, save us, you know, like, even if I, even if I fly to the furthest ends of the dawn and shale and depart to the netherworld, like even then, like you could save me. Yeah. I can't save myself. You could save me. Yeah. So I wouldn't recommend it. But the other thing too is like, you know, sometimes people are like, well, I hope I get, I hope I get a priest at my bedside, you know, before I die. I'm like, why? And they're like, so I can go to heaven. I'm like, do you want to repent right now? Right. Like, why are you waiting until then? Right. But like, I would say the same thing. Like, I hope that there's a priest at my <laughs> bedside, but I also hope like by then I will have seen my sins and said, I don't want to keep doing this. Yeah. And this is where I, this is what I was thinking about today. I was like, all right, what is what what could be a redeeming quality of you know like Hugh Hefner or whatever? Um, and what is a sign of conversion? I should say. I don't know if you saw this, but about two or three years ago, maybe it was just last year, Playboy announced that they would no longer be doing full nudes. Yeah, I did see that. But then they went back again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I don't know who made that judgment. Right. And maybe, maybe he said, it's just not worth it anymore. 
you know, like the, the, what, what is happening to people like through this, who knows God knows and God, God's going to see it. And I hope, I hope, I hope in, in Jesus's name that, that in some way he called out to the Lord and said, uh, if ever I have, you know, failed you, Lord, I, I repent of that. Imperfect contrition is sufficient. Hmm. Um, and yet like, I, I mean, yeah, we want to, we want to, want to be with Jesus. I don't know. Yeah. It was it, tough, man. I, I, I was not happy about it. Yeah. Like I, the other thing that I think is intriguing about him and the way that the devil worked in, in his life. It's so strange that we're talking about Psalm 139. <laughs> you have to, like, this is what Trevor wanted. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is anyway, the, the Holy Spirit hopefully is guiding us, but th- there is, there is something about the way the devil's working because by the time you and I were even aware of what Playboy was, Hugh Hefner was old, and I think there's something there's something about like I I still say it. I mean I know Eminem is not really relevant anymore, but like as long as Eminem and P Diddy are still cool, they're both older than me. <laughs> so there's something about saying as long as they're cool, then I still in this like midlife crisis moment, I can still be cool. I'm not too old to be cool. Eminem's older than you. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He's he's like he's like a year or two older than me. Yeah. And wow. so is so is P Diddy. And so it's like I but again, both of them are kind of irrelevant right now, I guess. But so old. <laughs> some millennials will say like, Who are those? Um but 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 there but there's something about Hugh Hefner having seven girlfriends and being in his eighties that I think every man was like, He gives me hope that I can still be cool and attract 20-something women in my 80s. That's the devil. That's the devil. It's like, but he, yeah. the devil is using that that aspect of masculinity that, that that needs to be relevant and that needs always kind of to, to remain on the surface and to remain being able to attract women that you're objectifying. I think there's something men especially have a fear wow. of losing that coolness, of, of that relevance, of that attraction from the youth, you know, that they want to remain young forever. They want to find the fountain of youth. They want to find all these things. And Hugh Hefner provided a, a hope that, that that could happen. And that 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 is that's taking something about our humanity, a negative aspect of our humanity, and and put, throwing it in our face and saying, look, it is possible. You you can live this life by living in a sense vicariously through him. Actually, the person that I thought of, and I do apologize that this didn't come like at the forefront of what I was like initially thinking about, but like it's not just going to be like the dudes that welcome him in, into heaven. Right. It's going to be the women. Yeah. It's going to be the women that yeah. like were in some ways led astray or tried to follow that life. Yeah. And uh were either manipulated or oh man, like Good call. uh Yeah, that's that to me is like to really to really see your sin and the effects that it had on somebody's life. Yeah. Um you know what? Yeah, if if yeah, he's that, in painful, if he's in man. hell, that'll be his hell. Is is spending eternity watching the 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 women who he yeah. But in some way, position. like I think in hell, like you just don't care. You just don't care. I, I mean, like you're so self infatuated yeah. that like that's how you live your life. And at some point, it will be revealed to you, and it will be agony and yeah. torment. But in some way, it's just like they had it coming. 
you know? Yeah. And they will delight. They will delight that other people can come and visit. Like, you know, I don't know. I I don't like to dwell on what hell is. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's reality. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. We're in the year of Fatima. Even our lady says there is a hell. Mm -hmm. Like, so if there's one person that can see it from there, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, our lady can. So, um, but then like for these women to be able to say to him, like, like I forgive you, yeah, and uh, and I've even prayed for you. Uh, that that's that's amazing. You that's, know, that's I think an that's amazing thought. That, the other one is um, uh, just thinking about Dante. Yeah. At the end of Dante's Purgatorio, uh, there's this beautiful part where those who are passing through lust, which is the final uh, sin to be eliminated before one enters paradise, they have to pass through this burning. Uh, kind of uh, fire because lust is like a fire. Mm-hmm. They have to pass through this purgative love, purgative flame of love that will cleanse them of their sins. But on the other side of the flame, they hear people chanting, blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see mm-hmm. God. Uh, blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God. And it's the song, the beautiful song that impels... Wow. Um, Dante to go forward and even in his fear of do I am I really ready for this Mm. he hears I think the voice of Beatrice the love of his life Mm. and with a pure love and now a purged love he's able to go through the flame and enter into uh, paradise that's amazing that is especially like that that almost liturgical chanting Mm -hmm. that 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 makes the flames worth it that like draws that says i i'm going to go through immense suffering but there's something about the ritualistic liturgical like the liturgy like the mass that chanting that we experience every week or every day you know that that should say the sufferings of this day and of this life are worth it because of the beauty of what the angels cry out what the saints cry out what our lord cries out the mother of god cries out yeah, and I I think that that's one thing I was gonna say earlier. There's something incredibly powerful. This goes back to the the forgiveness podcast. There's something incredibly powerful about when we are able to forgive. It's a divine act. It's something that that, that is only of God, as the scriptures say. He offers the ability to forgive to us as a gift, as a gift of uh, that is we become godlike when we forgive, and when we forgive, we can actually help someone like Hugh Hefner immensely. So if you if you have found yourself, if you have found yourself, you have fallen into whether it's abuse, neglect. If you if you if you found yourself abused by someone who's lustful, or you have yourself have fallen into lust, the ability to forgive in that moment can literally have eternal consequences for those yeah. who caused it. So whether you are a victim of lust or someone who's lust for yourself, um, and we, we we have a tendency to blame others for what we've done just like doing an intentional act or prayer forgiveness mm. for those who have hurt you, whether by exposing you to pornography, making pornography, using, you know, you using you in pornography, whatever it might be, the, the spiritual ability to forgive can assist in a major way in the salvation of souls. You're going to call this podcast 
Psalm 139 and the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> it's like so awkward. That actually could be a lot of people listening. That'd be interesting. Yeah, no, I. that's exactly what I'm saying. I, I think, I mean, it's most people, so it's therefore probably a large percentage of people that are listening. Yeah. yeah. All right. Interesting. All right. Well, we went an interesting riffing. direction with that. Well, that was kind of what riffing. I was looking for. Little, so. little Psalm 139 sorry, Iron Chef. Sorry, if we got too off topic for yeah. that. but. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. All right. Sh- you have shout outs? And shout out. Father John's really good at Evernote. Uh, I opened up Evernote the other day, and I, <laughs> I had uh, a requ- uh, a like request for a shout out on there from like a year ago. <laughs> That's how long it's been since I opened up Evernote. <laughs> and actually, you remember it. It was literally in summer of last year. Do you remember when somebody sent us five pints? of grater's ice cream oh yeah in a freezer like in a, one of those coolers with dry ice <laughs> that was epic yeah i had it's 8 14 16 okay <laughs> i feel so bad more gift than deli- a year ago <laughs> gift delivered to saint joan of Arc. gift shout out so it says it says um uh as the dog days of summer approach we wanted you to enjoy the finest ice cream in all of creation Cincinnati's own Grater's Ice Cream. Please share with Father O'Loughlin nice. and the Catholic Stuff crew. Thank you for all you do. We hope you know how much we appreciate all your work, hard work. You guys are doing an excellent job. God bless. And this is from Alexander Ewing in... Uh, uh, there's no... Uh, I guess he's in Cincinnati, Ohio. You want his phone number? Um, <laughs> no. 303... No, I'm just kidding. Um... Yeah, they sent us Grater's ice cream. That was and amazing, by the way. I was a New Mexico kid that moved to Colorado. I had never oh. experienced that much chocolate in ice cream oh. and, and thought it was so amazing. They, they found the perfect recipe for mixing chocolate and oh, ice yeah. cream. Oh, yeah. You can watch the YouTube video on why they how they do the French pot ice cream. Okay. Like, uh, it's so good. And you get these, like, chocolate nuggets, like veins of gold mm. uh, that are in the ice cream. And... That was the first time a lot of the guys had the blackberry chip. That's yeah. already one of my favorites. Yeah. But that was the first time I'd had the coconut chip okay. as well as the Buckeye. Man, that was so good. So we, we got to start getting sponsorships from these. I am uh, so these, sorry. These Literally, these people have been waiting forever. <laughs> On the last podcast, I had shout outs to people that I lost the booze or the candy that they gave us. I'm sorry. Well, people don't listen to this podcast because we have it all together. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're kind of a wreck. At some point, you'll have to welcome me into heaven and be like, you never gave me a shout-out or a thank you <laughs> for the, you know, like, whatever I gave you. And I'm like, all yep. right. Yep. And uh, you need oh, yeah, the you shout-out for the, uh, well, I, don't, I don't know, Catholic Man Show. Yeah, but here we go. Catholic I'm drinking stuff out of their should, glass. Catholic stuff you should know. <laughs> <laughs> Did they get it right? They actually put C-S-Y-S-N. Catholic stuff you should know. You should N O. <laughs> okay, sorry guys. That's hilarious. Thanks for all your hard work and faithful, uh, constant teaching on the truth. We are faithful listeners and have been blessed by your show. When you get a chance to listen to some of our episodes, we would love some feedback and advice. We look up to you in the Catholic world, Catholic podcast world. Skip the first 60 ish sex, 61 ish episodes. Because they were no muy bueno. 
from Adam, Dave, and Juan. Heard on St. Michael Catholic Radio. The Catholic Man Show, they sent us about 20 stickers. Nice. Um, so if you send a self-addressed envelope <laughs> to Father Michael O'Loughlin, he'll get them to you. Um, and uh, and then they sent us a bottle of booze. Nice. Lafroig. Oh, what? Where was that? That's you in my... You did not offer me the Lafroig. Listen, right now I have more booze in the cabinet than I have, like, that I can fit. So I had to start a new shelf in the butler's cabinet that's my favorite scotch seriously oh yeah i love it i love it love it love it all right father michael's gonna take that home all right um uh and then uh they gave us four glen karn glasses nice four glen karn glasses and their logo is almost as cool as ours yeah yeah actually i listened to one of your one on like it was called men don't do this or something men stop doing this and it was like don't listen to this if you're not a man if you're not manly and I was like uh, I don't know if I should be listening to this then so uh, but I did anyways uh, found it you know, pretty helpful and we listened to the NFP episode because yeah. <laughs> we have not done an NFP episode and I was not. like alright I want to see how these guys tackle it and it was pretty interesting so Catholic would, Man Show, check it out. I would need to do more research before we did that, and maybe invite a woman on. Although I was told if we ever if we ever do an episode on um, children behaving the way they behave in church, oh yeah, the one piece of advice I was given by the mothers of my parish was do not have a mother on, because oh, nice. every parent has their own views, True. and they did not want it to be like this is only this one parent's view since there's just so many different views. So if we ever do a children behaving in church episode, it needs to be we're two celibates and pastors who have decided to give our impression of yeah that that whole idea and the whole concept of children's behavior in church. So I have lots of thoughts on that, but we'll save that for another podcast. Mm-hmm. All right, so shout ch- out to check one more. Yeah. All right, here we go. Um. Because we're still, you know, riffing on it. Uh, you remember me introducing you to our good friends, Anna and Jeff Noto. N-O-T-O. Noto. Long after Mass one time, they live in the suburbs of Houston and have definitely been victims of Hurricane Harvey. They are avid podcast listeners. Although I know I should have remembered to mention this to you after Mass on Sunday. Instead, I wrangled my fussing children quickly to the car. Speaking of. Just wanted to mention that they could use some prayers as they have three small kids to take care of as they navigate through this difficulty. So, um, again, to all those who have been you know, affected by the hurricanes, both in uh, Florida and in uh, and Texas. Puerto Rico, my gosh. Oh, yeah. God, pray for the people of Puerto Rico. It's horrible. And the islands. Yeah. Like, those those islands. I mean, you think about it, like, it's not like they have insurance. Like, right. oh, yeah, American family insurance. It's like, yep, that's our house, and we're totally screwed. Yeah. Like, wow. So pray for courage and uh, hope for a lot of these people. Absolutely. So God bless you. All Thanks right. for listening. Yeah. Catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on SoundCloud. SoundCloud, we figured We're out. We're hoping what it to was. get on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Hopefully by now we are. And uh, iTunes, give us a good review. Facebook, do your thing. Stitcher. Stitcher. Listen on Stitcher. That's all they can do is listen on Stitcher. They can't give us feedback on Stitcher. Cool. Alright, all love you. It's really late here and I gotta fly to Portugal tomorrow, so I'm not gonna get much sleep tonight. 
All right. God bless. Miss you already. Bye.